2 Corinthians 6. We're going to jump right in today. If you've got a Bible or if you have an app, Bible app, uh, turn there, flip there with your finger or just look up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to start with, with verse 1. It says this, as God's partners, we beg you, this is Paul talking, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. No one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We, we, partially, we patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere voice, or sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack, and then left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or they praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we will always have joy. We are poor, but we, will give, we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. It provides some of the most painful yet exhilarating experiences of our lives. Moments where question marks fly around, and what happens next is totally out of our control, and it actually lies in the hands of someone else. And these moments, these experiences, these these times, they make us nervous. They give us anxious feelings. They create excitement and yet fright at the same time. They're joyous, and, and, and we're alive, all wrapped up in one. And I've seen this in various places, various experiences myself, personally, and through others. I remember one time experiencing this firsthand. I, I, I was in a playground in Grand Junction, Colorado, and, and I, I had a ring in my pocket, and I get down on one knee, which is one of the scariest moments you can imagine, okay? Ladies, I know that uh, you've got dreams of what that looked like, or you've, you've wanted to look like certain things, or great experiences, and hot air balloons, and all these things, but for the guys... I don't care who you are in this room, uh, and you've been there before, you know, even though it's like 99.9% sure sometimes, you're still scared to death. And the words are just kind of creeping out of your mouth, maybe even nervously, will you marry me? And there's that moment of wait. What can happen next? Could be a yes, could be a no. It is out of your hands at that point, okay? Maybe you've experienced that, ladies or guys, if you said, I love you for the first time to someone, and then you're, you're waiting for the response back, okay, I love you, thank you, 
Thank you. I said that once, I promise. Thank you for that. Or you respond awkwardly back, I love you like a brother in Jesus, in Christ. Uh, what's an awkward response to someone? Maybe you've had one of those moments before. Maybe someone's told you, I love you, and you didn't want to necessarily reciprocate it in that moment. What was the most awkward, what's the most awkward thing we can say in that moment? Brainstorm amongst yourselves, give a couple answers, maybe you can come up with something. Is thank you the best or the most awkward? Share a neighbor, maybe you can come up with something. Or maybe you've seen it on the show. Maybe I like you a lot. A, 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 a lot. All right. I've seen this experience in other places too and, and, and felt these feelings. Maybe you've seen the movie or the play Les Mis, Les Miserables, Miserables, how do you say that? It's, it looks like Les Miserables. Uh, and if you don't like to sit here singing for three hours, it is miserable. But uh, it's actually a great play. Uh, Victor Hugo, I think. There's an amazing scene where at the very beginning of the movie, Jean Valjean uh, comes and he's coming right out of prison. He's been in prison for 19 years for, for stealing bread. And he goes up to the bishop's house. I don't know if you remember this. He goes to the bishop and he's asking for bread. And the look on the madame's face, the woman of the house, she, she, as the bishop says, not only am I gonna give you bread, come into my house, come to my table, eat, and also I want you to stay overnight at our house. You can just see it on her face. She's like, do you understand? You're leaving, ourself, you're leaving us wide open. This man is a thief, and you're welcoming, welcoming him in, into our home? Who knows what's going to happen next when you do something like that for people? Maybe you've experienced these feelings before when you've gone on a job interview. Like you have dressed the best you can. You have you've dressed up the resume as best you can. There it is. You're presenting it. You're giving, it you're, you're, you're giving the best possible answers you can. What are your weaknesses? I care too much. I work too hard. Uh, what else does Michael Stott say? Uh, I put the job too, too much priority in my life. There's a, some kind of office quote there. But uh, you have that moment where you're in that interview and you walk out and you go, well, it's out of my hands now. It's out of my hands now. Who knows what's going to happen next? Maybe you've seen the show uh, Shark Tank before. Has anyone seen the show? People present ideas. I'll catch up a little bit. They present ideas to this group of very scary individuals that are entrepreneurs and billionaires who have the collateral, the money, to, or the capital to, to help uh, to these investors, these people with great possibilities and great hopes and aspirations. So they come out and they present these dreams in hopes that these people are going to back them up and, and be with them. But who knows what the answer will be. Uh, here's a, a clip. Maybe you, you've seen this one. This is Johnny's story. Johnny from Florida. Tree TP is water conservation and frost protection at its finest. Instead of using 25,000 gallons per tree per year, we're now only using 800 gallons per tree per year and doing a better job with a 30% increase in the growth of new trees and letting a farmer get his return on his money a whole lot faster. When good people come together. When good people come together. 
a noble cause, great things happen. And water conservation is what TTP is all about. How long have they been on? What's the oldest one out there? 1984. Still out there. My father was an innovator in the irrigation world. We used to bank trees to make a long one short. What that means is we'd take a shovel before the freeze night and cover the trees up with dirt. After the freeze, we'd go pull them off. We were out in the grove and I said, Dad, can we do something different? So he came up with a little bitty teepee we'd put on for that night and then pull it off the next day. So I look at him and I go, let's make these things bigger. And we can leave them on year-round. Look at the water we could save. Well, in 1984, he looked at me and said, oh, you're crazy. Water's cheap, you know. Doesn't matter. That's changed. <laughs> that has changed a lot. Haven't any distributors come to you and said, we want to sell this or we want to distribute it for you? We can take it way outside of Florida? Well, have you not called on any of them? I haven't called on any of them. Hmm. What's going to happen next for Johnny? It's that moment of who knows, is somebody going to pick this up or not, or I'm going to walk away with, with nothing. Um, you can tell Johnny, if you saw his full story, this wasn't just a, an idea, an invention. It, this was his life. This is his passion. And, and he put it out there uh, for people to, to, to get it or to not get. It's personal, these moments are. He's invested. I know some other people that are invested are teachers, teachers who aren't just teaching algebra or science or, or history. They're teaching life to kids. They're pouring their heart and their life into kids. And there are this moment, quite honestly, if kids are going to take that, receive it, and, and live it out, or if they're just going to reject it. And I see teachers pouring their lives into kids, and sometimes kids are going the right direction with that, and others have taken the wrong turn. And it's tough. It's very tough. I see that as a parent. You know, it's really hit me in the last several months uh, with, a, with our guys group. We had a couple of, of months back that just really challenged us to be intentional about the way that we live our lives and how we parent and how, as men, we are examples to our kids. And we should do that uh, not just willy-nilly, but we've got to be focused. And this has really kind of been around my mind a lot in the last several months where I'm trying to think about it with my kids, the time that I have, and it's so short. We, we know that. We blink and it's gone. But the time that I have with my kids, that I'm investing in them. I'm intentionally doing things and I'm having moments with them where I'm trying to, to teach them the things that are the most important things to me. Things that I think are so valuable, character traits, things about God, things about life that I want them so badly to know. And I'm hoping that not so much, hopefully in words and the teaching that they'll get it, but also they'll see it in my life that they'll see it in the ways that I live and that I interact with people because we know that, that kids, they probably, they, they catch more than they're being taught. Is that, that's probably the, not even the right, what's the right phrase? You catch, you, help me out. You catch more than you hear. You, 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 you see when you watch people, when you, you see their life and you actually, you, you see moments, you, you, you receive it that way better than hearing it actual and physical teaching words. You have those great moments and kids see that. They see it throughout their lives and I'm hoping that they're seeing that. But the reality is that one day my kids are going to be on their own and they're going to have to make choices of their own. And they have received as much as I can, can teach and continue to do that, but they're going to have that choice themselves, of what they do and what they believe and how they live. I think Paul's having that moment right here. He's talking to the church in Corinth, and he is 
poured his life into him, and you can hear it as a father. What does he say to him? Look at 11 and 12 again, or 13. It says this, Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond if you were my own children. There's like a father to this church, to these, these, these people as he sees as his kids. Open your hearts to us. I hope you receive what we've taught and what we've tried to show you in our lives. I think what we're talking about today can be really summed up into this one word. It's vulnerability. Vulnerability is this thing that my friend Brene Brown would, would define it this way. It's uncertainty. It's risk. It's emotional exposure. And we, we face that, but we're taught, we're taught we, we shouldn't be vulnerable. We shouldn't make ourselves vulnerable. That's what our culture teaches. That's what, honestly, life experiences teach us that way. If we had a bad experience, we, we, we do certain things, or we're, we're taught through negativity that we should shield ourselves. We should protect ourselves. We should build up thick skin. Because if we build up thick skin, then others can't hurt us that we, we can't be affected by others' words or actions or decisions. Even though they're out of our hands, we're, we're, we're bigger than that. We have armor on. We numb ourselves. We, we do certain things in our lives to kind of take our minds off things. Some people do that with habits. Some people do that even with exercise. Some people do that. We're seeing it now with video games. Do you, I mean, the, the video game stats are just out of the, this world. There's a, we'll throw up a, a, just a picture up there that just shows a few things. The average age for video gamers now are thir- it's 32. It's not just a guy's thing, it's girls and guys. And you can see just kind of the layout there. But video games are just, they're everywhere. And addiction to video games is becoming a phrase that's out there. Because why live in the real world where people can hurt you when you can live in a fake world that you can control and you can start over and you can play another game? It's this numbing effect. Let's live in an alternate reality where we can protect ourselves. We hedge our bets. We say, you know what? I'm not going to really go all in. I never really cared that much about that. Or, you know what? That person was great, but I didn't really care that much. And so we kind of, we try to pull back a little bit, and we don't want to go all in. And I think our friend Elsa can relate to this as well. As She says, don't let them in. You remember this. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. I know you're tired of this. But conceal, don't feel, put on a show, make one wrong move, and everyone will know. There is a reason why, I think, not just because it was catchy. There's a reason why this song was popular. It was so popular. We've heard it way too much now. I think people relate to those words. And I think that there's a huge part of us that says, you know what, maybe avoiding risk is a good thing. Maybe limiting uh, uncertainty and not allowing our hearts to be exposed seems like the best route in life. That's, a, I think, a lonely place for us to live. And I don't think that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And I don't think that's what Paul is all about when he's talking to the church See, I think Elsa, what she found out, if you watch the whole movie, and uh, what my friend Brene Brown would say so succinctly is this. When you shut down vulnerability, you shut down opportunity. When you shut down vulnerability, 
when you numb yourself, when you try to put armor up and you put all these fences up in your lives and all these walls up and things, you are shutting down opportunity. And you're shutting down opportunity for God to do great things in your life. You see, when Paul, he came to Corinth, he didn't come like a, a slick car salesman with just information and a, and a nice suit. And here, I hope that you get this. He said this, we're coming in complete transparency. Our, our lives are wide open to you. My life is wide open to you. Look at me. Uh, I don't have it all together. I mean, if you look at my past, hey, I'm just a guy that actually, I, I got a horrible past. I, I thought I knew everything. I was pretentious. I thought that if I just had trophies and I had uh, things on my wall, awards and, and degrees and all of these things, then, then I could find maybe some confidence in that, some, some who I am in that. But reality is I was dead wrong. I was so wrong that I persecuted the church. I persecuted Christians. I, I was so far away from God, but God did something for me. He intervened into my life, and he transformed my life. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And he lived that out in front of people. He didn't hide things. He didn't say, hey, I've got it all together. I've always had it all together. What he said is the opposite. In fact, I'm the worst of these. He, as far as sinners, I'm the worst. And he just lays it out there, and he lived this transparent life. That's the way he, he lived as a pastor and as a, as a disciple. And he says, I, I didn't hide anything. He, and he says this as you keep going. If you read it in that passage again, it says, we patiently endured troubles. He didn't hide even the bad times that happened to them. We endured troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten. We've been put in prison. We faced angry mobs. We worked to exhaustion. We endured sleepless nights. And we've gone without food. Can I just be, can I be just honest with you? As, as a Christ follower, it's not just cupcakes and sunshine and rainbows all the time, okay? I don't know if it's there anytime, but uh, it, it, it's not just good times. The, it rains on the just and the unjust in life. There are difficult moments that we all face. And if you came to Christ one day and someone said, okay, if you become a Christ follower, everything from this point on is going to be easy, I am so sorry. You were... You were misled. And I'm sure intentions were good. There are difficult things. Jesus himself said this, guess what? In this life, in this world, you will have troubles. And we know about that. A lot of us know about that this week. We experienced it. And Paul said this, look, we've had troubles. We've gone through difficult times. But let me tell you something. The life of a Christ follower, it's not without problems. You run into calamity. You run into difficult times. But you know what? Things are different. Take heart. I have overcome the world is what Jesus said. Paul keeps going. He says this. He said, we, we live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we haven't been killed. Our hearts ache, but we have joy. We are poor, but we have given, been given spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. One of the most defining moments for Paul and Silas was this. He is beaten. He is stripped. He is falsely accused. He's thrown into prison in a dungeon. And what do you hear from that dungeon when that happens? You begin to hear singing. You hear praises. You pe pe Paul and Silas singing praises to God in the midst of the worst moments of life. There they are. And what happened from that? There's an earthquake. The doors fly open, and no one leaves the other. The prisoners stay in their places. 
Why would they do that? Why would they stay when they had freedom? The door is wide open. Why in the world would they do that? My friend, I, Eddie and I have talked about him, Tom. Tom Kincaid lives in Florida, and he's been amazing. We talk about father figures in the church. Uh, he's been like a father to me, and he gave me a picture of what Jesus looks like and walks like in this world. You know, we had a tropical storm this last week that was, uh, turned out to be not so bad, and we're, we're thankful for that. We went through a hurricane in Florida about 10 years ago. Uh, we mentioned that last week. And it was a pretty, it was a, I think it was a Cat five, uh, 4 hurricane. And some people had lots of, uh, of damage and other people had nothing. It was electricity out for a couple of weeks. Well, Mr. Tom, who was just an amazing Christ follower, he lost everything. He lost everything. He lost his, his home, his dream home. He lost, being, he's about 65 at the time, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, when you're that age... Uh, there's not a lot of rebuilding, especially when, for him, the insurance company did him wrong, as insurance companies sometimes do, and got very little. Like, we're talking about a couple of thousand dollars for an entire home full of stuff. And I see Tom right after this. And you just expect the worst. You just kind of brace yourself for the worst in these moments. And you look at his face, and you would have thought nothing happened in his life. Was there pain from that? Absolutely there was pain. But in the middle of that, you would, he would say, God is good. And he loved that phrase, God is good all the time. God is good. He would say that all the time. And he said things like this, God gave us everything and he would, he'll continue to provide for us. There is a song that I've, I've kind of been wrestling with because uh, I come from a conservative background and you'll, you'll know why here. Uh, it's a Hillsong uh, song that was released a couple of, of months ago. And it's, even in the, the toughest times, we'll, I will praise you. Even in the most difficult times, I will praise you. And there's a line in the song that says this, even when it hurts like H-E double hockey sticks, I will praise you. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it hurts like H-E double hockey sticks. But in the midst of that, in the midst of our pain, God is present with us. When you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he is present with you. He says this in Psalms 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they're close to me. Isaiah 41 10, do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. And it's those moments in life, can I be honest, those are truth-finding moments. We talked about last week, do people ask you the question, what's different about you? What's, what's different about you? Why are you different than other people? You talk differently. You act differently. You're just, you're always so happy. You're always so this. What, why are you like that? Why do you have hope in this world? This is one of those questions. This is one of those moments when you are facing difficult times in your life, when the AC goes out in your, your house, when your car breaks down, when you get bad news from the doctor, when you find and you're walking an uncertain path where you don't know what the future looks like, when there maybe have been rumors spread about you or life events are devastating to you, you have a loss of a friend. Man, that's when people are watching. That's when they are watching and there are opportunities for our faith 
not only to grow, but it's opportunities for us to glorify God. Because the questions they're asking is, how in the world is this possible? How is it possible? Now, this isn't a waxy, like, let's just be cheesy and let's just fake it. This is a, a reality. There's pain and there's hurt, but there's, there's truth and that there's hope and that that's found in Jesus Christ. That's found in the Holy Spirit. That's found in when the worst things happen, there's still joy that's there. And Paul has found that. He's, and he's, now he's totally exposed. He has like exposed himself to the Corinthians and he said this, listen, we have lived this out in front of you. We have, you've seen every moment of our lives. We've taught you for a couple of years now. And now the choice is yours. It's left up to you. You've seen this faith. You've seen it in us, and we hope that you embrace it. We hope that you love this God that we love so much. We hope that you follow our lead and, and you seek to be more like him. And not that we have it all together. And he said it very clearly. I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers even. But here's the deal. I press forward to seek the prize. I press forward to seek Jesus so that one day that I can realize the prize, which is Christ Jesus. And he lays it out there. In that verse, he's saying this, our hearts are open to you. We hope that you open your hearts. We hope that you reciprocate. But, but ultimately, you can't control other people, can you? You can't make them say yes. You can't make them say I love you. And maybe some of us have experienced some of that, that, that hurt of not hearing I love you back. When you, when you become vulnerable with people, when you open your lives to people, it's scary. But I don't think God wants us to shrink back. But instead, I think he wants us to go forward in vulnerability. I think he wants us to embrace it. Because some of our greatest moments come when we put ourselves out there and we say, here it is. Man, I hope that you get this. I hope that you receive this love. I hope that you receive this good news. Sometimes it's a success. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't come so, so quickly. And, and Les Mis, what happened? Remember the story? The bishop, he opened the door. What did, what did Jean Valjean do in the middle of the night? He goes and he steals the silver in the middle of the night. In fact, the bishop wakes up and what does Jean Valjean do? He knocks him out, takes off with the silver. He's caught by the cops. The cops bring him back to the bishop's house, and there he is, red-handed with the silver in bag. And Jean Valjean, he says, well, the bishop gave it to me. Well, the authorities say, surely you didn't do this, did you, to the, to the bishop? And once again, to the madame's surprise, the bishop says, Jean Valjean, what have you done? You left without the candlesticks as well. You took the silver, but you left and you forgot the candlesticks. So the bishop goes back gets the candlesticks, which were the most valuable things, puts him, in the, puts him in the bag of stolen goods of Jean Valjean and says, authorities, you, you can go. This man has done no wrong, basically. And this is what he says to Jean Valjean. Do not forget, don't ever forget that you have promised to use this money that I'm giving you to become an honest man. And, and Jean Valjean's speechless. The bishop has emphasized his words, and he, he, he begins to say this again. He says, Jean Valjean, my brother, he pulls him in closely. You no longer belong to evil, but to good. It is your soul that I buy from you. I withdrew it from the, the black thoughts and the spirits of perdition, and I give it to God. And in this moment of grace, this moment of unbelievable mercy, this transforms Jean Valjean's life. 
totally switches the story and says, here, this man welcomed me in his home and he believes in me that much. Now I will ch- I'll change my life and it changes the whole story of the, of the whole movie. What happened to our friend Johnny, the teepee guy in Florida? Let's find out. Mm. Don't shut down opportunity. Don't shut up down opportunity by shutting down and not being vulnerable with people, not putting yourself out there. Teachers, don't give up. Keep believing in kids, teachers that are paid teachers and teachers that teach down the hallway and teach our kids in life. Parents, man, I know the weight of being a parent. I know the weight of being, I've seen the weight of being a a grandparent. And these are moments where you you just throw your hands up and and say, God, help me. God, help me to, to do and to follow you as best as I possibly can. Give me the wisdom. I don't want to take these days for granted. I want to use every opportunity to invest and to show my kids what it looks like to follow you. And and may I have the strength and the courage to say this, kids, follow me as I follow Jesus. My life, my life is worthy to be followed. And I'm wide open, I'm transparent. I, I don't have anything to hide. Here it is, kids. And if you'll follow me, you'll see someone that's an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Can we step and we have the courage to say that and be willing to, 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 to live with that and, and, and be okay and have the peace that, that knowing that God will, will be in those moments and help us along the way? You see, we can talk theology but, and talk about the ins and the outs of the Bible, but it comes down to, to basically two things, love God and love people. And when I think about love, I don't think that you can love and not be vulnerable. I don't think that you can authentically, honestly love somebody without putting yourself out there and honestly being vulnerable and putting your heart into someone else's hands. And that's what God's called us to do is to to love people, to be vulnerable with others, to to show them who he is. And the reason he tells us that is because he did it first. He was the first to do that. He said it this way, John, 1 John 4, 8, in the message, it says it this way. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not the one we, we once once upon a time loved God, but he loved us. He sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. God, the creator of the universe, the one that made the stars, the one that created you, he became vulnerable by saying, I love you this much. The choice is yours. The choice whether or not to love him back is yours. Wrap your mind around that for a second. God became vulnerable to us. And I think he can say the same words to us that Paul said to the Corinthians. If we're hearing this from God, God would say, I've spoken honestly to you. And my heart is wide open to you. There is no lack of love on my part from God's part, but you've withheld your love from me. And I'm asking you to respond, if you were my only, if my own children, open your hearts to me. 
He's become vulnerable to us, and he said, I love you this much. Uh, when, I, uh, when I was a teenager, I, uh, we had these things called winter retreats. Some of us have we've done these before here. And uh, we would go on these trips and we'd go to retreat centers. We'd play games and have food and, and have a good time. And there would be different silly things you would do with students. And we have these services. Well, loved to play basketball when I was about 15 years old. And I was playing basketball one night. We'd been playing for hours. I'm sweaty. I'm gross. I'm nasty. And we'd go in for the service. And uh, there was a girl. Uh, there was usually always a girl uh, at some point. Uh, that I was interested in at, at that point in life, and uh, this girl's name was Stacy. And so I go to sit by Stacy, and uh, just, just friends at this point, we're just sitting by each other. Well, my youth pastor, he talks about Jesus' love for us that night. And he talked about how Jesus loved us so much, he demonstrated his love for us by washing the disciples' feet. Remember that story, John 13, where he washes the disciples' feet, and, and, he, and he paints this picture of what Jesus does for us and how he serves others, and this is the kind of God we have. That's, that's not the one that says, serve, serve me. I'm going to demonstrate by serving you so much that I'm going to wash your feet. And, he, and he, to give us this, you know, to kind of help us to, to realize this and to, even to feel this, he had a bowl of water and a towel and said, tonight we're going to wash each other's feet here. In, in, the, in the service, which it uh, was an amazing uh, moment. However, suddenly it dawned on me. I am sitting beside Stacy, okay? And I started to think about, okay, if she starts over there, that means, that means she's going to be washing my feet, okay? Feet, okay, let's just be honest, they're kind of gross, all right? They're, they're a little gross, and especially if you're playing basketball, and I was thinking in my mind, I don't, do I have holes in my socks right now? I have no idea what's going on down there. This never entered my mind to prepare. And anyway, toenails, toe funk, what's going on? Uh, who knows? All right, and just, I suddenly got just tense, okay? And so I see it coming. The bowl, people are washing each other's feet and along the line, and this is a beautiful moment. And I don't know if it was the combination of nerves or basketball or what it was, but suddenly I got a cramp in my hamstring. I mean, you remember, have you ever had your hamstring just, just, oh my, and it is hurting so badly, okay? It's hurting so badly. And finally I was like, I just, I kind of got the attention of a youth worker, and I was like, my leg, my leg. And I literally, they had carried me out before she could wash my feet. They, she, they carried me out. I, just, I, I promise it happened. I felt like now that I look back, I was like, man, that was a pretty good stunt there uh, to avoid that. But you know, the more that I've thought about that, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive that Jesus would do that. They would wash his disciples' feet. But there is a moment, I think for all of us, it's a difficult moment. It's not an easy moment. We know that, that God loves us. But there is a moment where you have to take your shoes off and you have to take your socks off. And the God that loves us sees everything, but sometimes we hide a lot of stuff and we're not willing to be vulnerable to him. We're not willing to have our feet washed because we're pushing away and we're hiding and we're numbing, and everything is okay. It's okay. 
But until we're willing to have our feet washed, because that's what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants to wash not only your feet, but your heart and your life. But the only way that he can do that, if we, can be, if we become vulnerable to him and his love. And when he does that, it enables us to love others well and to wash others' feet and for them to be vulnerable with us. Let's pray. God, Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for modeling what this vulnerable love looks like, Jesus. God, to be honest, there's a lot of things that we want to hide. And even though we know you know everything, there's things that, that we, we're ashamed of. There's hurts, there's brokenness, there's, there's some evil, there's some bad stuff in our lives from our past, God. And Lord, I know that there are people in this room that I bet everybody in this room believes in you. But I don't know if they, they all have become vulnerable to you. And if they recognize your love and are, are willing to take shoes and, and, and socks off and say, here I am. Lord, cleanse me. Wash me. I reciprocate your love. I Thank you for loving me. Help me to love you. Help me to put my life in your hands. I pray right now, Lord, if there's someone in this room that, that they want to take a step, not to acknowledge you, but to trust you, to put their, their lives in, in, in your hands, Jesus. Lord, as they're praying right now, God, I pray that this would be a or a step of faith that would transform their life. God, maybe today someone needs to confess to you, confess the, the junk, the shame, the sin, the hurt in their life, and to come to you today and say, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, transform me. Help me to accept your love. And Lord, help me in return to give love to others. Help me to be vulnerable to others. Help me to, to love my kids well. Help me to love my wife well. Help me to love coworkers well. Friends, family members, some that distance has come between us. Things have come between us. Forgiveness needs to happen. God, help me to, to have the strength that's, that's it's radical. It's extraordinary. It only comes through your spirit, Lord. God, help me in the moments of life that are the hardest, God, to lean into you, to trust you, Lord, not with the fake faith, but real, honest faith that can, can live out in front of others, leaning into you, sometimes being held up by you, Jesus. Lord, we need that today, God. Lord, enable us. Give us the strength to do it, Lord. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have because of your son, Jesus, because you demonstrated love first to us, God, that we have an opportunity to be free, to live with courage, to live or not being held down by fear, but moving forward in hope. Lord, trusting in the foundation and the love that you have shown us first. Lord, 
Help us to love others well. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. This morning as we, we close, just going to close in a song of talks about uh, Jesus being the cornerstone. That God is the cornerstone uh, of our lives. And we want to acknowledge that today. We want to say, God, it's not up to me. Lord, we, we fully put the foundation of our life. We fully trust in you. And we want to praise God in that today. So if you would stand with me, let's sing and uh, let's acknowledge Jesus as our, as our Father today.